Okay, welcome back to the Credentials Buffering Podcast. we got a three-man pod tonight, myself, Matt, and Zach. And tonight we're talking one of my favorite topics, Hong Kong. So, uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and kick it off with a little bit of a history of Hong Kong. Yeah, thanks, man. So, Hong Kong dates back all the way to the days of the East Indian Trading Company back in the 1840s. And what, what was going on was... Uh, British, the British East Indian Trading Company wanted to get back its trade deficit with China. Uh, silver was being used um, to trade with the Chinese, and the British weren't getting much money uh, in return. And since back in those days, we, it was all based on a silver standard, they just really needed to uh, get rid of that deficit. So they needed to trade something that the Chinese wanted. In this case, it was opium. But China, you know, kind of outlawed opium, so Britain did what they usually do, and they invaded um, the Hong Kong region and all of China. At the end of the Opium War, um, the British won and were able to gain control of Hong Kong as a major port uh, to trade goods such as opium and other um, things, and um, had much um, less restrictions than they had before. Uh, Before, it was all traded under Chinese law, but now it was all under British law, which allowed for much more freedom to trade. Um, since then, China has gained back control of Hong Kong. Britain gave it to them as part of a treaty, and it is being operated as a, a somewhat independent zone in China. It's not completely controlled by China. It's um, supposed to be controlled by Hong Kong residents. However, um, China has made a, a lot of... Um, encroachments on, on uh, Hong Kong uh, residents um, been trying to pass laws to make them more or less a part of China, sending troops uh, to Hong Kong, and because of that, they are protesting. Okay, thanks, Zach. That's a great explanation, and a uh, good look at the history of Hong Kong. I'm going to retouch on one quick topic real quick, and that's kind of what sets Hong Kong apart from China. So China, or Hong Kong has been under British rule. Now, in 1984, I can't remember the name of the treaty, but they came to a treaty with China, which basically said in 1997, it would revert, they basically slowly start reincorporating it to China. They gave it back to China, but there were a few things as part of the deal in there. So it's kind of more of a slow, slow standard to kind of get it back to, to actually under Chinese law. And it really doesn't it isn't supposed to technically revert back to full Chinese law until 2047. So one of the stipulations in that deal is that the current social and economic systems in Hong Kong will remain unchanged until 2047. So that's why a lot of people are kind of upset right now because China is jumping the gun on a lot of these actual encroachments into Hong Kong, which you know has traditionally been a British territory and a really profitable trading port. So one of the things is everybody in Hong Kong has really been enjoying kind of the the upsides of British life compared to communist China. They enjoy quite a bit more freedom. So there have been a few chances. Um, They've actually been governing themselves as part of the treaty as well until China kind of tried to take away a few aspects of that as well, which actually led to some riots in 2014, I believe when Beijing said only the people selected by, um, you know, the Chinese Communist Party could run. So that's one of the reasons that Hong Kong is upset right now, is they think they're going to be just thrown fully back into 
you know, Chinese Communist Party, never a good thing. Yeah, well, it definitely I, I, is a bad thing when only one party is allowed to run in an, in an election. I would say I wouldn't define the civil unrest that happened as a riot. Most of it was nonviolent protests at the time. Yeah, so let's talk about kind of what these kicked off about. Originally, they were about um, China interfering with their elections and their ability to elect leaders, which has kind of reinforced this ideal in Hong Kong that they are separate and they are independent from China. So that's really rung, uh, you know, kind of rang home with a lot of the younger generation who's really trying to stand up to the Communist Party. And one of the other things when the riots in 2019 first started was basically a black bag policy for China where they could extradite um, they could extradite Hong Kong citizens that were accused of crimes back to China for trial and, you know, possible jail time, which, of course, you know, under Chinese communist law, that could be anything. It was very broad. And that's uh, that's really the reason they first started kicking off these riots in 2019. And it's been, it was ongoing through the latter part of 2019 um, quite a bit. I mean, months. And there's still some going on now. Yeah. What's interesting about these protests is there's a place very close to Hong Kong that was one of the other ports um, Britain uh, got in exchange for winning the opium war called Macau. And it's not having um, these kind of protests partially because it's already physically close to China. Um, it doesn't have a, a giant uh, lake or a river um, between the two. Yeah, they've got a channel right there. I guess Hong Kong's its own little island. So, yeah, that's definitely something to think about. And um, an another thing, when the riots first started out um, back in the early 2000s or 2010s, a lot of the rioting was over police brutality, too, kind of similar to what we're seeing now when the Chinese cops would come in and, you know, just beat people mercilessly and, you know, kind of treat it however they'd like. So that was another thing that Hong Kong didn't approve of and obviously that's even relevant to still today yeah i remember them beating up uh, hong kong residents inside uh, subway stations not to disperse them but just to beat them up like you can't get out of the subway yeah i will say this about the hong kong um riots is america all these black lives matter protesters could have a thing or two to learn from them because these protesters have been extremely well organized, well equipped at every aspect, every turn, and they they seem to really uh, really have a pretty good grasp of this protesting, this rioting thing. Yeah, it seems like they're giving advice to them. I saw a few posts saying, "Make sure to bring your umbrellas because it's very useful." Yeah, and this is where this first started, I believe, was the spraying protesters with blue dye to. <laughs> Mark them for arrests later. I think that started off in Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken. Might have been France, but I thought it was Hong Kong. I'm sure it didn't start in Hong Kong, but we saw most of the use there. Right. These tactics aren't anything new. Yeah, so it's interesting to see. And a lot of the world has really started to um, kind of not – or. I guess a lot of the world has really started kind of thumbing their nose up at China and um, – you know, really adjusting their pro or adjusting their policies to reflect their, um, you know, wanting Hong Kong to remain independent. Uh, Australia, for one, Britain, um, a few, quite a few other European company or countries as well. And then you know, you see a lot of support for the way that 
China is conducting itself with um, Russia and a few of the countries in the Middle East, places like that. So there's definitely a difference. You're right. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say anything too forward, but do it. It's uh, it's actually very unusual that they're taking such drastic steps at this time, and it's almost the uh, anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party, the hundred year anniversary. They were founded in 1921. It's somewhere right around there, at least. And it, it could be likely that some of them are... Yeah, it was founded in 1921. And it could be likely that a lot of it is being done right now to enhance the prestige of the party, that they do control most of the what is considered territorial Chinese... Ter- or, uh, Chinese territory before their 100th anniversary. Because they really value that type of stability and prestige and their society, and they might assume that it would give them extra credibility to the people and to the world. Well, the thing that different, differentiates Hong Kong, too, from a lot uh, a lot of different places, where Hong Kong's really only got a population, um, I think in 97 it was 800,000, if I'm not mistaken. It, it's probably risen quite a bit since then. Um, but for somewhere that's, you know, a lot smaller in size, the reason this is such a big deal compared to, you know, China just kind of walloping their way through and taking whatever they want, is Hong Kong is such a profitable trading port for them. That's really what they don't want to lose in the process of reincorporating it, too, because through Hong Kong, they skimp a lot of the uh, tariffs placed on them by places like America. Yeah, they got to delicately put this whole plan together. They can't have it be too sudden, or else they could lose a lot of money, and they can't have it too slow, or else it wouldn't happen before the time they feel would be useful. Well, as far as uh, trading goes, uh, having Hong Kong be a part of China wouldn't stop that kind of activity. We would just go through other parts of other places that aren't part of China, like Taiwan, Vietnam, Philippines. Yeah, well, I'm saying that's why it's valuable to China. It's not as valuable to us, but it's valuable to China in that aspect. What do you think um, is the biggest uh, goal behind the Hong Kong protests? What do they... Uh, once. Yeah, when they first started them out, they wanted a few certain things. I can't remember off the top of my head. One of them was amnesty to all the protesters. Um, one of them was to have a law retracted, which it has been now. It was something to interfere with their elections. And that one was withdrawn, but, you know, with the implementation of the extradition law, that's kind of mute, mute at this point. Yeah. So they're they're really in a tough circumstance because they don't have much to back them up now. You know, it would have worked out for them a lot better in the long run if they just retained under British, if they just retained themselves under British rule, which they have a celebration every year too, um, exemplifying themselves or celebrating uh, them. You know, not coming under or them, I guess, breaking away from British British rule. But now I guess it probably doesn't look as good. With the alternative being, you know, <laughs> Chinese Communist Party. Not the best choice there. Not one they really get to take. Yeah, the, the president of China, too, I have a quote written down here from him. Um, when he was addressing the Hong Kong riots, he said, Any attempt to divide China would end in body smashed and bones ground to powder. So not the most uplifting, um, <laughs> uplifting statement for uh, Hong Kong's movement. 
it's a pretty bold statement, I'd say, considering how much they try to kind of divide other countries in terms of their internal politics. What do you mean? There, there's different Chinese influencer groups that try to bring about greater concern of social unrest in other countries for their own political gains. I don't, I can't say whether it's been too successful or not. That's a much broader discussion, and I think it's really outside of the scope of what we're talking here. I just thought it was interesting. So let's talk about what do y'all think China really wants out of this deal? You think they just want that territory back, you know, that was... Or I guess what are the benefits from them rapidly incorp- reincorporating Hong Kong under Chinese rule compared to, you know, letting it kind of fizzle out until whatever date was set, 2047? Well, for one, uh, just and I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over it, but it's really uh, trade. Uh, Hong Kong is the easiest way for foreign countries to trade with China without paying a lot of taxes. And I guess that would that would technically last till 2047 yep. when that's supposed when that's set to expire. But um that's that's something that some of the other leaders, you know, have started kind of going against, I guess to disinhibit China from rapidly, you know, doing this. I I know Trump I think has just sanctioned um some trade deal with Hong Kong, I can't remember the details exactly, but I know it It definitely cuts down the profitability of that port. Yeah, it's a, working as a disincentive. Can't say whether to be too successful. It seems there's political motivations as well as economic ones. Yeah, and China on the world stage, too. You know, when all this stuff kicked off in Hong Kong, we didn't have the coronavirus yet. So it was definitely something to watch. But when you see a small country like that trying to... or whatever they're called, territory, or I don't know what they would be, but... They're not a territory of anybody. Um, they're self-governing. Okay. When you see someone like that trying to stand up to, you know, Chinese retaking it, it's it looks bad for the Communist Party, which, you know, their grip has to be ironclad or else it looks weak like any other Communist Party. Not a very fun party. No, definitely not. So I I think Hong Kong has kind of forced their hand in a lot of ways, too, by standing up to them, which, I mean, that seems like the right thing to do and the best thing to do for Hong Kong, too. But now I feel like it's gotten so much publicity that Hong Kong has, or I mean, China feels forced to just squash it to, you know, kind of show themselves up or, you know, how they want others to perceive them to be. It may be too much of an embarrassment. Yeah, you might be right about that, but... I don't know if they even really have the political power necessary to squash it completely. I know they're trying to, they've been pretty successful with recent political developments in Hong Kong, but I don't think that they're, I don't think the citizens of Hong Kong have no moves left. Yeah, do you mean political support, like watching, marching in there with the Chinese army and, you know, declaring martial law? Maybe, I I hope it doesn't come to that, but that could be the case, because they have the political enforcement now, but not the military. It's only a matter of time before one follows the other. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Enough people get, you know, black bagged and thrown in Chinese prisons where it'll either peter out or, you know, (laughs) a bunch more Hong Kongers will get upset. Probably the latter, I hope. Yeah, I hope so, too. And I mean, the funny thing is Hong Kong is very supportive of America. I mean, you you see all those protests and stuff, and it's just American flags everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. CIA involvement, I bet. (laughs) You know how successful they are. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what they need. Oh, gosh, no. 
Well, the Hong Kong protests uh, did die down a bit uh, because the they didn't want to, you know, catch COVID. And just most of Hong Kong, most of China um, was supposed to stay inside and practice safe social distancing measures. And now that um, at least that part of Hong Kong is um, uh, that part of China, the Hong Kong region, is uh, doing better. Uh, the protests can actually start back up again. I'm not sure uh, what the numbers are for that region. I just realized because you know China doesn't report their numbers. Yeah, definitely not accurately. Yeah, but I would hope that Hong Kong is a little bit better, just because they're. I guess they are kind of under the Chinese control, so I wouldn't trust their numbers either. What I do know, though, is um, the movement is still alive. There's a lot of people still protesting, and it's just getting stronger. Well, I, I fully support Hong Kong. Yeah, I support Hong Kong. And it's been funny watching all the, um, I guess, you know, all the sports and everything that has such a big market. Wasn't that the NBA that got a slap on the wrist from China when some coach said they supported Hong Kong publicly? I think it was, I thought it was the Houston Rockets. I thought the Houston Rockets head coach said he stood with Hong Kong and turned into a giant storm. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have uh, lost a lot of things just because they said they supported Hong Kong. Uh, I forgot. Especially it. Hong it, Kong. it definitely was the NBA. I don't know which team it was, though. So. I, I thought it was the Houston Rockets, but maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, it's funny because, I mean, that's such a big market for them, too, is, is the reason it's so tough. I mean, you have to... NBA would have to throw away billions of dollars just to be like, uh, yeah, please don't, you know, please don't go murder everyone in Hong Kong or, you know, give these people the rights that they were assigned. You know, yeah. I think uh, we can learn a lot from Hong Kong, not just the uh, from the city, but I think the protests um, we could learn a lot from. They probably have some good advice on how to save people's lives in the protests. Also, I really admire... Um, some of their infrastructure like they have the most successful transit system probably in the whole world it's actually subsidizing the government because it generates a profit really yeah uh, do you want to hear more about that yes please i'd love to hear about that okay so in the united states most of our transit system is like a public welfare meant to uh, help the poor get around if if they can't afford a car or something mm -hmm. in hong kong um, it's a lot different because it's a lot denser, but also they're just um, their business structure is better. It isn't revolving around ticket prices and uh, getting grants from the government. In Hong Kong, what the transit system does is it buys up a lot of land and then uh, rents it out to local businesses. The transit system gets a lot of profit because it buys the land as if the businesses weren't there. And then when the businesses move there, it's obviously a lot more valuable, like four or five or six times more valuable. So that way they can subsidize ticket prices. It's, I think it's like four bucks to go anywhere in Hong Kong. And that's not because Hong Kong dollars are, uh, are about, at a bad conversion rate. It's just because they're cheap. Do we know what currency they use in Hong Kong? No idea, but um, it is very cheap. Hong Kong currency. I'm curious about that. I doubt they use yen, right? Yeah, and it's not no, euros. Especially since yen is Chinese, uh, Japanese. Oh, yeah. What am I thinking of? Yuan. Um, is that it? I believe so. Okay, so yeah, I just pulled it up. It's a, it's a Hong Kong dollar. Hong Kong dollar. Okay. 
And if anybody was wondering what that translates to in U.S. dollars, one Hong Kong dollar is equal to 0.13 U.S. dollars. Cool. Or 14 cents for those who use customary currency. Yes, yes, that would be accurate. So if anybody's thinking of vacationing to Hong Kong and they're wondering what their money would convert to, now you know. What can it buy? That's what I want to understand. Yeah, I have no idea about prices for anything else other than apparently uh, public transportation in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just researching it because um, it was part of one of my classes in college. And, you know, maybe we could have something similar in Texas. Yeah, Texas is definitely going to be the tougher places to do that, it seems like. True, but we just had Tesla move um couple miles from where i live yes big shout out to elon musk signing the deal gigafactory in austin and what he's really uh, excited about is this is the ideal place to build anything the tunnels with the boring project so I oh yeah definitely see elon musk moving but part it's of that operation here aquifers we have most of our water comes from the aquifer well not our water but fredericksburg but if we were to drill through that, that could be a big problem. I don't know how he's going to get the permits, but that's, that's a rabbit trail. I can imagine Elon would get anything he asked for in Texas, so not not worried about that. Even without the boring tunnel, he could create a fleet of Tesla cars that autonomously drive between Austin and Dallas. That would be cool. That would be amazing. Maybe he could make us a little bullet train. Tesla bullet train. No, Tesla doesn't Possibly. do They make cars, so. Well, they could make a train if they wanted to. Not possible. I learned something interesting about Elon Musk, too, recently. His uh, security that he travels with is equipped with his boring project, fun, or his boring company, Flamethrowers. So in case anybody was thinking about making a move on him, probably wouldn't recommend. Next, you're going to say they wear short shorts. But they could. Short they probably do. 60 bucks a yeah. pair. Get you some. Yeah. On a, on a different note, still not Hong Kong related at all, but Elon related because he's amazing, is uh, he definitely looked like Darth Vader when he was meeting uh, Greg Abbott. The picture I saw of Greg Abbott and Elon Musk, Elon Musk looked like a supervillain. For those of you who don't live in Texas, it was humid out and it was 110 degrees and he was wearing a Darth Vader outfit. <laughs> long black sleeves, long black jeans. Black face mask. Might as well. He he looked like he just signed uh, some sort of lease to build the next Death Star and down in Houston or something. Yeah, With he's building Starkiller Base. <laughs> okay, well let's transition back from our hero back to Hong Kong from our hero hero Elon Musk. Right, right. He's not. I wouldn't say he was a hero. Okay, well he's my hero, so watch your mouth. Okay. Well, I like Elon Musk, but there's a few things that I don't like about him. Oh, really? What would that be? Well, the one thing, he's not the best at supporting like individuals. He's great for innovation, great for businesses, but when it comes to uh, employees, um, it does tend to be uh, a little bit of a higher turnover, especially in the factories. But that's just really American culture. I, I mean, not culture, uh, the American uh, corporate culture. They generally don't uh, value employees as much as they should. Well, you can either work for a union or you can work long hours. Yeah, I mean, maybe the maybe the factory workers, you know, should be uh, owners of the product. Yeah, that would help. Um, 
it's not likely though because um that's a different topic <laughs> yeah okay before we go down some uh, before we go down a Karl Marx rabbit hole let's let's move back to Hong Kong Okay, so we're in Hong Kong. China's trying to take over. They're terrible. They're evil. They want to imprison everyone. You're in Hong Kong. Uh, so we're coming off COVID-19. What do you think the, is the next move for Hong Kong? And what do you all think they're ultimately trying to get out of this? Self-government. Okay, self-governance. Do you think they're fine with having it until 2047 with the set date? Or are they trying to have full autonomy? I think uh, the people that live in Hong Kong, so I'm not talking about China, would love to be fully autonomous until uh, 2047. One thing that is a recent development is British are allowing uh, Hong Kong residents to get uh, UK passports. I mean, uh, yeah, UK passports. And that is an issue because uh, back when, in 1997, when Hong Kong left, a lot of people weren't of age to get a passport. And all of a sudden, they couldn't um, automatically get UK citizenship. So they viewed themselves as uh, UK citizens, but they weren't UK citizens. So now uh, UK is trying to put in some policies to allow people in Hong Kong to get that. Well, yeah, they probably feel like they shafted Hong Kong pretty hard now. Gosh, they're like, oh, we'll give you full autonomy until 2047. That was the deal we signed. And then <laughs> now they're like... Uh, not so much. Yeah, imagine being born in 1997, which uh, I think most people um, that are the same age as us are, uh, were born around. Imagine uh, being born in America, but say Texas um, was taken over by Mexico, and now you're not a U.S. citizen. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Just like, well, this was originally Mexico. We'll give it back to y'all now. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, what do you kind of think they're looking to get out of it? Well, I think if Zach's right, that if the people in Hong Kong had more of a say, they'd like to remain autonomous. But outside of some sort of miracle, I don't really see them having that autonomy in a few years, much less till 2047. Yeah, I think the 2047 goal of autonomy is totally unreachable. And, you know, obviously past that, too, it's just not going to happen. They'd be crazy lucky to actually, you know, get any sort of self-governance until 2047. But, I mean, there's really just no path for them to autonomy now that they've been sold back to China or treated back to China. Yeah, at this point, it might be easier to reform the Communist Party itself than get them off Hong Kong. Here's an interesting thing, too. Australia recently sent out an olive branch to Hong Kong and is trying to get businesses to move there instead. So do you think Hong Kongers, Hong Kong citizens, whatever they refer to themselves as, um, do you think they'd all rather, say, you know, in a group sense, do you think the majority of them would rather move to Australia or rather go back under Chinese rule? I would prefer to move to Australia than be under Chinese rule if I were a Hong Konger, just because um, your value system is... Uh, more in line with Australia. Yeah, also a former British colony, so... Also a former British colony. That works. Uh, but really, who isn't, you know, a former British colony nowadays? Ethiopia. Well, they didn't have any good resources, I guess. No, I think you're wrong on that. <laughs> Was Ethiopia a... 
destroy. I think the only marketable good they have coming out of there is marathon runners. Oh, yeah. Did you say they were a British colony? They nope. were not. Nobody ever colonized them. Well, except for the Italians uh, shortly during World Wars. Well, they might have needed some more colonization. They'd probably be a little further ahead in the world. What? I disagree, but that's just me, my opinion. Anyhow. Okay, well, <laughs> whatever it may be with Ethiopia, let's, uh, let's go ahead and kind of start wrapping up on Hong Kong. Do you all have any final thoughts on it? So my final thoughts on Hong Kong are, I think uh, they should try to be autonomous as long as possible. Britain should extend more olive branches um, and Australia along with that um, to uh, find a contingency plan for when China does eventually take over because it's going to happen, I hope, in uh, 2047 is when it happens, but China doesn't seem to want that. I think they should continue protesting as long as it takes. Okay, Matt? Well, I'll give you two cents worth of information. Not, re not really, but I'd say... I want a Hong Kong dollar instead. <laughs> I don't get 13 that, cents. I just hope something miraculous happens, really, because it's going to take something pretty pretty crazy to upset a lot of the plans that are going on right now. Like what? Uh, really, I don't know. That's That's how bad the situation is. Okay, well, I'll, I'll finish this out then. Um, I think for Hong Kong to have any goal of autonomy anywhere until 2047, or even in the next year, all they can do is protest, 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 and draw up enough, or stir up enough world interest where some real power players actually, you know, kind of step up and say, no, you have to wait until 2047. I think that's really their only option. Um like Zach said, just keep protesting, and then hopefully, you know, some of the other world powers are in a position where they can at least lend their support through whichever means, or, you know, sanction China, whatever it may be, and try and help Hong Kong a little bit out a little bit. But I think that's really their only path. <laughs> yeah, I think once the United States, or um, hopefully a different country, uh, gets their uh, stuff together after coronavirus is over we should focus on hong kong and um, these other uh, civil rights issues uh, also in yemen um, all over the world yeah well those would be great focal points coming out of covid so hopefully everybody isn't yeah. too concerned with that but all right this has been the credentials buffering podcast make sure to like and share and uh, we'll catch y'all next week thanks